I'm Natasha Walker from Switchboard, and you're listening to A Portrait of Excellence, the Gay Times Honours podcast. Switchboard is the recipient of the Alan Horsfall Gay Times Honour for Community Activism. Daniel, you went down to the Switchboard offices in London to find out more. So Switchboard are an amazing charity. They're the oldest LGBT plus helpline in the UK. Uh, they were founded way back in 1974, shortly after the partial decriminalisation of homosexuality, to provide help to those in the community who were struggling with their sexuality or their gender identity. Right, and this was a time when you could lose your job for being gay, or a time when these people didn't have the luxury of internet to know that there were other people like them out there, right? Sure, and you know, Switchboard have stayed with us through the AIDS epidemic in the 80s and 90s, through gaining legal rights like hate crime protections and marriage equality. And one of the main talking points we had was whether or not the LGBT plus community still needs a helpline like this, um, and we think they do. To find out more about Switchboard and the great work that they do, I spoke to Natasha Walker, who's a trustee of the charity. I've been on the board now for what will be my third year as a diverse trustee. I'm also the head of the media and brand team at Switchboard, so we deal with um, anything in relation to press or comment or Switchboard being involved in the media, getting our name out there. It's such a personal, intimate thing where you really feel like you can make a difference or be there for for people when they really, really need you. Um, That's where it all started, as a volunteer on, on the phones. So Switchboard is receiving the Gay Times Honour for Community Activism. Um, of course, we know why your work is so important, but would you mind just telling us a little bit about the work that Switchboard does? Yeah, sure. So um, well, I think the, the way the charity has worked has changed a lot throughout the years. So it was founded in 1974, a um, long, long time ago. And maybe when it started, it was much more of a political organisation because this was immediate, you know, very, very soon after the partial decriminalisation of homosexuality uh, in 1967 and it, it was born out of a need for people to ask questions about homosexuality to help connect people who were gay to each other and also to receive support that's kind of how switchboard started and then it changed throughout the years the, the really important times that we've we've been there you know as always big markers like the AIDS epidemic switchboard's number was on the leaflet that was sent out to every home in the country so we became the immediate point of contact, which meant that we suddenly became a 24-hour helpline because there was such a demand for us. We were also there um, supporting people after the Admiral Duncan bombings, and most recently, if we look back just over a year ago, Orlando. Um, so you can contact us over the phone, but we also have an instant messaging service um, and an, an email an email service as well. If you think back to the 70s when Switchboard was yep. set up, obviously a lot of people probably didn't even know what being gay meant, yeah, or that there were people out there like them. Yeah, um, what were there other resources back then, or was Switchboard one of the few? Yeah, there was no internet back then, but there there was a big community, a big underground community, and there was a lot of word of mouth going on, and all of the you know you'd have your pubs and you'd have your places and you'd have your groups, but that's really only for people who lived in big cities. Imagine being someone completely isolated away from that. What you have is a telephone. To fi- and obviously magazines were a lot more pro- pro- predominant back then in terms of advertising and who's who and what's what and where we go. But um, yeah, it, although having said that, even if you are living on the outskirts of somewhere and how isolating that is, we all know even now in this world of like internet, the internet age and beyond connectivity, constant connectivity, how isolated everyone can feel now as well. 
So that's that's actually interesting, isn't it? How isolation is a current theme, no matter how connected you are via the internet or or social media. Um, yeah, I think I think the world is a very isolating place, and that's something that's not changed, and that's why we're still we're still going. And you mentioned the HIV and AIDS epidemic. Yeah. Um, what sort of things were Switchboard doing to help people that were going through this? Because it must have been a very scary time for people that didn't even know what was wrong with them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so it was a scary time for everyone, I think. Um, and I know here at Switchboard, there are a lot of people who lost people or themselves are no longer here because of it. And it really affected the charity and sort of our volunteers that we had here at the time were speaking from experience. So what we did was provide information, which we still do now, um, on what AIDS and HIV are, as well as how to support people who are finding out that they've got it. Preventative measures, so we've always been um, big on promoting safer sex, and and what, what you do after. So if you do lose someone, or you know that your life is going to end, so support really is just the, the underlying theme of it all, as well as being a first point of contact for many people on, on where to go next or how to deal with this. You know, are there other support groups around? Am I on my own? No, you're not. There are other places that you can go to. And, and you know, that's still very much the case now, but it's, it's probably more around how, how to educate people about having safer sex these days. And if you do feel like you might have been exposed, what you do after that. You have other charities that have popped up since, like Terence Higgins Trust, for example, or the National AIDS Manual, um, which focus on the more specific niche sides to it. Um, but yeah, we are and still remain and were a support service for people who were going through that. So are there like any topics that tend to come up a lot when people call? I guess issues that affect a lot of people that maybe people wouldn't suspect? Um, Interestingly, I don't think the issues have really changed very much for people. Um, of course, you have reactionary uh, issues, so things have happened like Orlando or whatever, or something happens, a TV programme has two men kissing, or there's a trans person in the news. The, these are things which will trigger callers to contact us about those specific issues, but overall, everyone's a slightly different um, experience, but you, issues of isolation, feeling low, um, you get a lot of people calling just to talk about coming out. You get lots of people calling to just say, oh God, I, like, I have feelings for my friend who's the same sex as me, but that doesn't mean I'm gay, does it? And you just help them to explore explore what those feelings really mean. Or just more often than not, some people just want to talk to someone and they're not ready to talk to friends or family yet. Um, lots of people do call up to talk about safer sex, which is good. But yeah, I'd say the main things are people feeling isolated and lonely. Um, interestingly, uh, there, there's a real spike in, at the moment, or over the last couple of years for definite, uh, people calling up after their children have gone to university or um, the older generation when their partner has died and coming out then. So you've got these changes in society that we've grown up in now impacting people in older generations who are feeling more comfortable in making that big step and coming out after being in a straight relationship. Um, so they are at one point incredibly liberated, but also having to deal with a really difficult time in their life and impacting a lot of people around them um, or feeling like they are and feeling responsible for that. Um, and, and sometimes you get people ringing up about 
Yeah, and I, I suppose what with the, the more recent publicity around trans and trans awareness, it's kind of a similar thing, I guess, to what we're talking about um, at the beginning, like in 1974, some people may be calling up and saying, what is homosexuality? Now, in more recent years, with it becoming wider, more widely known, what trans, transsexual, transgender is, lots of people are coming up just to be educated about that. Um, also, they're recognising someone famous like Caitlyn Jenner being trans and saying, oh, well, that's how I feel. But actually, they don't really have a support network or this, you know, that famous person can't provide them with anything more. Um, so, yeah, that's when charities like us are here or we can direct them towards, you know, another support group or counselling service that, that can help them explore those issues more. I think a lot of people would think of Switchboard and they'd assume that a lot of people calling in would be younger people mm. that are perhaps growing up, coming to terms with who they are. But you just mentioned that you get a lot of older callers. Yeah. Um, is this something that happens a lot? Is this something that's on the increase, do you think? I think that's interesting that you asked that because actually what we've found is that on the actual phones, the demographics are a lot older, whereas on our instant messaging service, which is much like MSN, um, it's much younger demographic because that's the medium that those people feel comfortable in talking to, how often we text now and how texting is the main mode of communication for the younger generations, especially people at school. And that's what they feel comfortable with. So actually on the telephones, it does tend to be an older, uh, an older demographic or an older service user. Although I, you know, that would have changed throughout the years. I think I think it's generational as well. I think um, older people, and in a very sweeping statement here, are much more comfortable with talking on the telephone than than the younger generations. I know. I remember when I was younger, being terrified of the telephone. But um, yeah, no, I'd say that the the demographics are, are really split between instant messaging being a lot younger, and but we are trying to encourage people to contact us more over the telephone because there is still something. I don't know. How, what you think about this but hearing someone's voice just another human is it's something very different about that to seeing some words appear on a screen yeah no absolutely um i know we hear it a lot that uh technology is making us more anxious more yeah. isolated as you said before um i mean do you think that i guess instant messenger or email is sort of a a good way to, to give advice or, or do you actually think that there's a, a negative side to that or do you think that people should be calling or do you think calling it is a superior way of, of talking to people? Um, I think it's completely uh, dependent upon the person who's contacting us. Some people find it much easier to communicate verbally, others find it much more easy to write things down so I don't think there's one better way of communicating um, but I do think that with the changes in social media like you mentioned that, and like we spoke about previously, the more connected we become via our telephones or our computers, the actual disconnect of like, human connection, voice to voice, it, voice to ear, is really dwindling. And it would be, I, I just think there's something about that, which obviously speaks to people because again, we're here still um, after all these years. So I, I, yeah, I hope not. But at the same time, I totally understand that not everyone wants to talk on the phone. Also, I think there is a maybe comforting amount of anonymity via instant message, whereas on the telephone, you can hear my voice, you can tell, you know, you can tell quite a few things about me just from that, whereas via instant message, I, I can choose to tell you what I want to when I'm ready, so. 
there's you know pros and cons to both sides yeah i suppose there's also an element of safety for younger people yeah if they feel like they can just do it secretly on their phone or on their computer and Absolutely. they're not you know some parents might monitor their children's phone usage or listening or whatever um so i guess there is there's that there's yeah that's a really good point that. yeah and on our website we have a an exit button oh, yes. so yeah so if you're on instant message and then someone walks into the room that you don't want to know that you're talking to us you click exit and the screen shuts down straight away so yeah that's a really really good point and as a, an organization do you think about the future do you think about where we're going to end up and how we can keep going and keep helping people in the best way yeah i mean definitely um it's something that we're looking into always and i that i personally think is really important ultimately if you're going to provide support and information to people you have to move with the times and as technology becomes more and more efficient we need to become more and more efficient as a charity so things that we are I mean, looking into in a very broad sense at the moment is other helplines that text help people. So you might not be able to have a proper conversation, but more like a WhatsApp sort of app where you can be texting. You don't have to log onto a computer, which makes us more accessible to everyone. And let's face it, these things happen to you or events might occur that you feel like you need support and help there and then. But you might not want to call anyone and you're not by a computer. So you can just start texting on your phone at the other end of it as well and this is for switchboard as a charity and looking at our volunteer base we want to look into the idea of working with technology to help us have volunteers all over the country so you don't have to be in london or near to london to come and be on the phones with us but that's very much a you know total dream at the moment um but you know ultimately that'd be amazing as a charity, we want to reflect our service users as much as possible. And not only is that through different demographics, but location-wise as well. Um, so that those are two things that I think are really important for us to move forward to in the future. Um, speaking of social media, uh, yeah. I know you, you do hear a lot about how uh, Facebook and, and Twitter and WhatsApp and all these different platforms, they're sort of being integrated in, in bullying at schools and... and that they're almost making it worse for some people because they can't get away from it when they go home. Um, I know a recent Stonewall report said that ninety six percent of students had heard homophobic language at school. Yeah. Is is bullying at school something that you try to tackle? Is this something that do you get people calling in and saying, "Oh, I'm being bullied at school. Help me." Yeah. So um, interestingly, I did a project not too long ago with a group of school children from the Challenge. It's called. It's a government run project, and they were telling me how. 15 to 17 year olds how the word gay is still used in a derogatory sense at school which I was so shocked about um, that it would still that that's still happening um, but yeah bullying is definitely a big issue still um, for anyone within the LGBT plus communities or even people just exploring themselves so just having a question or looking different you know especially now we're starting to discuss gender and non-binary and these becoming much more uh, popular topics of conversation um, but yeah, uh, at Switchboards, we do have people contact us saying that. Um, we've also worked with Educate and Celebrate, which is a charity which goes into schools and uh, basically raises LGBT plus awareness within the schools and Diversity Role Models is another another charity that, that we've worked with before. Um, so our posters are up in schools saying, you know, you can contact us, we're here to to be to help support you too, um, but it's a very complicated issue I think with with the young with young people. Um, 
so we know we absolutely support and listen to those people but predominantly we would probably help to refer them to the people who could actually help tackle these issues in their school um, or support groups in their in their local area um, because and it never is the case that bullying is okay but when you're that young I think that if you're being bullied it, I personally think it's really important for that to be reported and taken down the right routes um, as is in any any age um, but when you're at school there are these policies in place to be able to help people um, directly much like there are in employment as well. Now you used to work as a volunteer at Switchboard yeah. were there any particular stories or issues that really stuck with you as you carried on? The stories that I found have stuck with me are people who've called up said that they think they are LGBT plus talk about how they've come to this decision how much they know this is really who they are but how they're not going to be able to come out at all because of a variety of reasons be that religion work family views uh, their support networks political views and after you've spoken to this person for half an hour an hour a couple of hours they say goodbye they thank you so much for listening and supporting but you hear them put the phone down and you just have this hor- like really sad feeling that we're in a society, we're in a Western society, which is so forward-thinking at some points, where still people feel like they can't come out because of the views that the people that they socialise with or engage with in their life don't don't support being LGBT+. And that, that for me, is that's I find that really, really difficult. Because who am I to judge anyone on whether they should come out at any point? Um, but to listen to someone and support them and then ask them why they feel like they can't help them explore these issues and then to hear them end that phone call and uh, know that they can always call you back and you can be there for them but but they feel like they could never be who they really are that was that that's i found very difficult is is there any sort of general advice you would give to people that were feeling that way um i think it's about talking to people um whether that be a switch a switchboard charity or to really think about the people in your lives and I think talking to friends and family if you can think of someone one person at least that you can tell I never know you know I don't know what people's individual circumstances are but talking really really helps and it's entirely up to that person when they choose to come out and how they choose to come out and if they do choose to come out but um, I think starting to think about it or writing things down or talking to someone anyone that you feel like you can communicate with is a really good step in the first direction and in the majority of cases not for everyone unfortunately it usually is okay or it will be okay eventually Um, but it's taking that first step which is so very difficult so with all the kind of advancements that we've made in the uk for lgbt rights how is switchboard's focus changing what what kind of problems are you presented with now that perhaps you wouldn't be presented with in the past okay uh so with the changes in law, that's probably the most obvious thing that people can now get married, um, which is probably the most significant change, you know, aside from the decriminalisation, which is the first step in the direction for everything thereafter. Um, lots of things that I think um, are still problematic are, for example, not being able to seek um, asylum on the grounds of your sexuality. Um, in addition, and this was something I only was uh, brought to my attention 
not that long ago um, under the rules of divorce so if we're allowed to marry then of course we should be allowed to divorce um adultery is a reason for divorce and listed under adultery um, on the government's website is uh, where you have um, sex with someone of the opposite gender so if you are and this is actually the same for straight people I suppose who are married if you if your partner um, has sex with someone of the same uh, sex then that doesn't count as a reason or a grounds for adultery under the law. That's such a massive oversight. I, I know. I don't know what the if there's you know something in the background now that, that that's being amended or it just hasn't been updated yet. But yeah, for me, I found that very shocking um, because I mean it opens up a massive can of worms. Not not only about how how much that undermines something that's just been passed not that long ago. Um, but yeah, so asylum I think is a, is a big problem. Um, and then I, actually, I think that you know if you're looking at equality in the law on the grounds of sexuality and gender identity, there's a lot of work to be done. Like, for example, and something I have a problem with, that in any legislation or any legal document produced by the government and law, the default pronoun is he. So, you know, we're now moving to a time where you get to choose your pronouns quite rightly um, because it's how you identify. And realistically, let's face it, there's like however many billions of people there are on the planet, genders. But, um, yeah, I think we need to at least update the legal framework that runs our day-to-day life and that we live by to not just be the default pronoun he. But, yeah, I don't know. We could get into lots of different things about what needs to change in the laws, and I'm sure there's so many more specific laws. Um, As much as we fight towards equality and for equality in, in the UK, I think, and I know this is brought up, and should be brought up every time this is spoken about but you know we're still living in a world where people can be killed for being lgbt plus so as much as i look forward to the advancements that we make here in the uk i'd, I'd like us in the uk to be able to really push forward with the advancements in, in other countries in relation to sexuality and gender identity this is a massive question it's a very difficult question okay sort of leading on from what you just said yeah if we want to change views in other countries, how do we start that? Gosh, that's a that's a big question. That's at, outside of Switchboard's remit, I guess. But I could um, I could answer that from my own opinion, and I think it always comes back to that that same thing: education and conversation. And talking is the only way that we really well. Communication is the only way that things will change um, and people's views change, which we all know from personal experience. Um, as well as looking at media in general um, across the world. So no matter how small an impact you think it can make, I think talking to people about these things, even if it is an echo chamber, um, is better than not. So small steps, supporting supporting those charities and those people who are trying to make a difference around the world, um, whether that be telling your friends about it or signing a petition, which has become so easy now, but doesn't mean that petitions aren't still valid or, you know, donating to a charity or reading up, making yourself more aware and more educated on these things. No matter how small you feel or how trivial you feel an action is, it it does all matter and it all helps towards making this world a better place, to not quote Michael Jackson. But yeah, so communication is the key for anyone that's listening to this and 
thinks that they might like to try and help out, um, what advice would you would you give them? Um, well, if you feel like you want to volunteer for Switchboard, um, although we are a, a UK-based charity and we only support people here in the UK, um, I encourage everyone to help out anyone who's doing anything to better the world in general. But yeah, we are always looking for volunteers. Um, the more, the better. Uh, so you can find out more on our website, uh, which is switchboard.lgbt. Uh, and um, you can find out more via our social media. But we have recently made a change at Switchboard, which I personally think is great, where we have not only just phone volunteers, but support volunteers. So if you feel like you want to help people, but you don't want to talk to people on the telephone or just don't feel like you can provide that service or that need, then we're also looking for people who can help do a variety of different things from running our social media to helping us fundraise, bucket rattles, our IT system, running in the building, absolutely everything. So if you feel like you've got a skill, no matter how small, we're interested. So please do contact us via our website. Amazing. And one final question. Do you think that at any point in the future, helplines like Switchboard won't be needed anymore? That LGBT people will feel confident and proud enough in themselves to not need to go to people for help? I, I would love to say yes to that. Um, because that is what we're all striving for, I think. Um, that there is no difference. But, um, and actually... Not necessarily a negative reason. Um, Switchboard's here to talk to people about sexual sexuality and gender identity and issues around safer sex. So we are an information service too, and we're a referral service. So as long as there are people alive who identify and we identify in terms of LGBT+, then Switchboard will be here to support those people. Because um, we can also talk to people about the relationship issues or about you know safer sex in general or mental health issues that lots of people we've all seen the statistics uh, the lgbt plus community has very high levels of mental health issues um, and we can help refer people to other support services so i'm going to take that and put, take a positive spin on it in that yes which would always be here to the, to support people who need us until our phones stop ringing so when our phones stop ringing that's great because those people don't need the support but at the same time I think people will always have that need for someone to listen. The music for A Portrait of Excellence has kindly been provided by Lauren Flax. Head over to soundcloud.com forward slash Lauren Flax to hear more. Thank you to our sponsors, the National Portrait Gallery, British Land, the Federation of Small Businesses, and as Absolute, Bloom Gin, Beach Blanket Babylon and Chappie for believing in the Gay Times Honours. A special thanks to Kaleidoscope Trust, our charity partner for the Gay Times Honours. Kaleidoscope Trust worked tirelessly to uphold the human rights of lesbian, gay, bisexual and trans people internationally. And finally, thank you to Matthew Stone for his 10 one-of-a-kind artworks. You can find out more about the Gay Times Honours in our show notes and at gaytimes.co.uk forward slash honours.